Today on People with Passion for Pets, we talk to Carrie C., an animal behavior consultant. Carrie is also a certified pet first aid and CPR instructor, and she's the owner of Phoenix Animal Behavior Center. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Excited to talk to you guys. Carrie, so you are an animal behaviorist and dog trainer, and you have a center. It's called the Phoenix Animal Behavior Center, and you're in North Phoenix, and you offer all kinds of great classes. So I'm excited to talk to you. So tell us a little bit about your dog training center. Yeah, so it's not just dogs. I do cats, too. <laughs> Now, that is something we need to talk about. (laughs) Very Very interesting. I work with both dogs and cats. You know, we do everything from puppy group classes. Um, I work with behavioral issues, private and home. Um, And then, you know, kind of some fun events. Sometimes I'll do nose work, box games classes. Um, And then I also teach CPR at the center, too. So that's also nice having, having that nice space where I can work with all my students and clients and bring them all together. Yes. And animal CPR, you know, that is really one of the reasons why I found you is because with our focus on traveling with pets, I really feel knowing animal CPR and first aid is such a big deal. And so I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So maybe that's where we'll start is just tell us a little bit about those classes. Yeah, absolutely. That that is a class I wish more people would sign up for. You know, a, a lot of the students that I get have already had a bad experience. They've already had that situation where, you know, their dog fell in the pool or their dog's head got stuck in a bag and they had to rush to the vet or something like that. And I wish these incidences could be prevented where they could have in that moment at home helped their dog not having to wait because the vet's never right around the corner, right? Especially because emergencies always happen evenings and weekends without a fail. (laughs) So what, what do you do? You go to the emergency vet that's hopefully less than 30 minutes away, but especially when you're traveling and maybe you're in an RV or you're camping and what are you going to do? Get on that dirt road and keep your fingers crossed? Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, I'm an avid hiker. I hike all by myself with our dogs a lot because Jim likes to sleep in. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that is just one of those things where it's like you, if you're out there on the trail, something happens, you, you want to be able to at least administer first aid and uh, then be able to quickly get the animal to a hospital or, a, you know, a veterinarian. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times we don't even think as in Arizona, I feel like we never even have enough supplies for ourselves. Um, So, you know, remembering to bring those supplies for our dogs, even if it is just a water bowl and water and enough supplies for both of us. Um, But then also, you know, having a little bit of a first aid kit because they might get bit by something, whether it's a bug um, or, you know, a little choya cactus rolls into them and you know do you have your tweezers on you and things like that that are so tiny and simple that a lot of people don't even think about having just in their hiking pack with them perfect and and so that's something that you would recommend is that you have like a little pack of supplies uh that you would have with you at all times and you could even have your dog carry it right yeah Yep. Yeah. And you know, and it doesn't have to be a lot of supplies, right? Benadryl 
is one of the most useful things out there, um, especially those little liquid gel caps of the Benadryl. Um, bring a little safety pin so you can kind of poke the end of it to squeeze right into your dog's mouth. Um, just in case they do get bit by that bug or that spider or that scorpion or that bee or whatever other creepy crawly things are existing out there these days. Um, so that's probably one of the most useful things to have. Um, but just having a little tiny pair of pliers or tweezers to get those toy cactus out because sometimes they're just there, you know, and, and dogs don't, you know, they're sniffing and searching and getting into all those interesting things of the desert that we don't notice them half the time. How do we expect our dog who has two extra limbs to watch out for to pay attention to that sort of stuff? So, yeah, and you, you know, know uh, we did a we did a little video on what we carry. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we learned when we had horses is to bring a comb. Because mm -hmm. a comb is even easier to get these choyas away from everybody. And Stupid then flick it. <laughs> I've, Hopefully not on the person. I've done that though, and I flicked it on the gym, like you know, we were there she on the flicked it off the horse and it landed right on me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, how, you many, love me. how many times have you been like pulling something out of your dog's fur and then you're like wait yeah now, now okay then I'll spend my other wait now yep, yep. <laughs> like, where is it gonna go or you're just barely grabbing it and they jerk and then it embeds it into your hands yeah yep. yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah I even I even uh recommend and I don't know how you feel about this but uh, to make a little muzzle or have a little soft muzzle or I I usually do some bed wrap um, because when they're full of choyas, they will they will bite at the choyas, right? They and know. then, then yeah. they'll have it all over in their mouth and things like that. Yeah, one of the things that is actually taught in the pet first aid and CPR class is how to make a muzzle. Um, so we just kind of use these long, thin pieces of fabric. You can use a leash. You can use, you know, whatever you know, maybe a jacket or, or a string really. And we teach you how to make a muzzle because we always say when an animal is in pain, they might bite, Absolutely. you know, yeah. you want to protect them. You want to protect yourself. Um, so that is, is one kind of precautionary thing that we do teach so that if there is an injury that you're trying to take care of, they don't accidentally turn and snap or injure themselves further by gnawing on that choya or whatever it might be. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the other skills that are taught in uh, pet CPR and first aid? Yeah, so obviously the biggest one is CPR. Mm. <laughs> right in the name, right? So, and you know, CPR is something that's really simple. Um, it's very similar to human CPR, but it's just a little bit different because obviously dogs aren't shaped the same way as us, right? So um, their organs are pretty much in the same place, but just kind of knowing how to put those hands on their bodies so that we can um, give that appropriate CPR to them. Um, we also teach the Heimlich essentially for if a dog is choking on something, what do you do if a dog is choking? Um, we talk about first aid in terms of injuries, if they have a cut, if they have a scratch, um, you know, using vet wrap and gauze and things like that on those injuries. And we also talk about what things need to be rushed to that animal hospital. If, if your dog is impaled with something, don't pull that 
stick or barbed wire or whatever it is out because you're going to make it worse and just rush them to the vet. You know, we kind of talk about those situations of what can you kind of triage out in the field versus what do you just kind of, okay, let's go, let's jump in the car as fast as we can and get to that, um, get to that help quickly. Hey guys, just real quick, if you enjoy our content, please share it with your friends and family and please subscribe to our podcast. Okay, let's get back to the interview. That's awesome. And and that would, you know, be such a peace of mind for any pet owner that, you know, is out and about or even at home. Like you were talking about choking. I mean, how many how many times have you had a dog that eats something and then they're like <laughs> they're right, right. <laughs> and you wish you knew exactly what to do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the interesting thing about choking too, is as humans, I feel like we are so quick to like jump on our dogs when they're kind of on something. And, you know, we, we talk about in class, like if they are still working it out themselves, let them work it out. Because oftentimes when we interfere, we can make it harder for them and we can actually get in the way because we come near them, they might be startled by us. They might kind of swallow whatever it is a little more deeply, um, causing it to not come out or go, you know, kind of the wrong way, essentially. Um, So we talk about what are those situations where your dog can kind of deal with things. I don't know if you've ever been coughing and choking and somebody like smacks you on the back and it just kind of makes it worse. And you're like, what did you do that for? (laughs) (laughs) But, but Carrie, that is such an important point, and I had never really thought about that before. But um, you know, when you're saying if, if sometimes when you don't let them work it out, because sometimes the dog thinks you're going to take it away from them, right? Especially if you're a dog that is very um, protective of their food, and they're they're kind of hacking a little bit, and you try to go in there, and they're like, oh, she's going to take it, and then they're going to then they are going to swallow it rather than try to get it out, right? They don't perceive a problem until you come up to them, and then they say, okay, you're going to take it from me, so now I have to get it in faster, and until they perceive a problem, there's not a problem. That is so, that is so important. I had never really thought about that. They, they are living beings too. They, there are certain things that just naturally happen and they can work through those moments themselves. And I guess that's just the, the number one thing I think for anybody out there, for our viewers to realize if, if you go out and you take a class like a pet CPR or pet first aid, uh, you're really enriching yourself with information. And so now you can be more comfortable, but also you probably are going to learn so many things that you never really knew before. And mm-hmm. you're going to be such a better pet owner in, in all respect. And, so, yeah. and a lot of times people with good intentions, you see this on YouTube, with good intentions, they want to help an animal and then end up doing more harm just because they don't realize that first of all, even though they're domesticated, they still have that inert ability to take care of themselves and that survival instinct. And if you leave them alone and let them figure it out, I mean, we had a dog that, that was was riding with us with our horses and he was, he had a, uh, he was overheating. And so instead of us jumping off and doing something, we just stopped. And he went into the creek and he cooled off and he drank and he relaxed a little bit. We didn't have to scare him, but you know, wrap blankets, stuff like he just needed to stop for a second, cool off. Yeah. And, and you well, know, and heat exhaustion is a big deal here in Arizona. In Arizona right? yeah. yeah. And you know, something that's super important with that is 
as humans, again, we think my dog is overheating. I need to throw ice on them. I need to cool as quickly as possible. And you could be doing a lot more damage by, you know, abruptly cooling their system as opposed to letting it just kind of gradually cool back down. And that's what what your classes are such a good idea because you should have an idea of what could happen because you don't go around thinking, well, it could get in a car wreck, but you still put on a safety belt. So when we go out in the desert, we know that it could get, you know, hit by a, a snake or something, but okay, so we have tools and the knowledge to deal with it if and when it ever happens, but we don't not go hiking because we're afraid what if. Absolutely, yeah. Being prepared and having that knowledge of especially, you know, people that do travel to different parts um, of the country, different climates, things like that. Um, We do, we talk about, you know, heat exhaustion, but we also talk about hypothermia in class and, you know, what, again, we don't want, let's say you take your dogs up to the snow during the winter and they get frostbite. I don't want you throwing a heating pad on them. (laughs) It's really cool. So, um, where can people find you and um, how often do you have these classes? Um, so I try to have them about every six to eight weeks, um, keep them regular enough and get a good enough audience. Um, but they can find information either on social media at PHX Animal Behavior um, or my website is phxanimalbehavior.com. And that always has the most up-to-date information on class offerings and, you know, more information about me and what the classes are and everything like that too. Perfect. Do you uh, have seminars in, in other areas or can like, if there's a, a place that maybe wanted to do a seminar, would you be available to hold those? Yeah, absolutely. I do, um, you know, I'll do private classes or um, there was actually a retirement community that just reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and was like, hey, we want you to come in and talk to our residents and talk about, um, you know, do a, a CPR class. So um, communities like that, sometimes grooming salons or doggy daycares are really great places if they want to get their employees all certified in CPR, um, or even if they just want to host an event for their clients. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the other um, classes, the other type of classes that you have. So you specialize in behavior and like you mentioned in the beginning, not just for dogs, but also for cats, which is interesting because cats are usually thought as less trainable than dogs, right? Unfortunately, they are. (laughs) (laughs) It's an animal. Everything is trainable. Can I ask you the differences? What are some of the... um, the major differences between training a cat and training a dog? Um, I would say the major differences are cats, their reinforcement is typically a little bit harder to figure out right away. Most dogs will, you know, they enjoy chicken liver and beef liver and hot dogs and cheese and milk bones and, you know, you name it. They're like, yes, please. Whereas cats, you know, they can just be a little bit more, um, finicky when it comes to those reinforcers. But the biggest problem I see with the difference between cats and dogs is we don't treat our cats like dogs. That's so we don't socialize our cats ever, right? You get a kitten, you throw it in the house. Cool. Maybe somebody comes over in a couple months. 
Um, and so they don't even have those opportunities to start learning at that young age. Whereas you get that puppy, you're calling all your friends, you're going to happy hour, you're taking them everywhere, <laughs> you're doing stuff. And the cats just kind of exist, you know? So I feel like they're, they kind of get that short end of the stick because they don't even get the opportunities to start learning and, you know, because kittens, kittens can be so fun to train because they're curious about everything. They want to try all those treats. Whereas the cats, when I finally get my hands on them, you know, they're four, five, six, 10 years old, and they aren't as curious about things anymore. Cause they're like, well, I just live in this room or this house. This is what I do. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that's exactly, uh, that just kind of clicked for me because the people that I know that have these outgoing cats that go walk with them on a leash and stuff, they're the ones that the owner basically did what most people would do with the puppies, take it everywhere, yeah. right. drag it around, put it in a bag, bring it to work and, and stuff. And everybody thinks like, oh, that that's just the cat. It, I have a lot of people that um, you know, I have a Cornish Rex who does have a very, they, they're bred to have that outgoing personality, but she is just extra personable. She goes on, you know, kind of walks. We really just hang out in the front yard. Um, but you know, she does things and everybody jokes and calls her cat dog because, oh, she's so much like a dog. And I'm like, but your cat can be like this too. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Awesome. And so um, in that perspective, you are very, very unique in what you offer. And then so those type of situations, do you go into the client's home and work with them there or do they come to your facility? Um, typically in those situations, I do go to the client's home because um, a lot of times people don't realize, especially with cats, um, you know, who aren't leaving the house really ever, environment makes a huge difference in behavior. So if you don't have those appropriate vertical spaces and hidey holes and, you know, things like that for your cat, you're, you're kind of setting them up for failure, bringing that new puppy in. Um, but I do, you know, I will work with puppies with the training at the training center. And then they take a lot of those skills home to work with the cats working on, you know, the leave it and look at that and all of those different kind of basic skills. But um, definitely environment can play a huge role in a lot of these behaviors that we see. And you probably find out in the training um, that it's kind of funny, but behaviors, most of the opportunities that people have with their dogs is they think I might want to go through obedience. I want to make the dog sit and stay. However, he eats my furniture or he, he goes to the bathroom in the house or he pulls on the leash and doing the behavior will fix a lot of those opportunities that people think that they have. You know, if the dog is, if the dog hangs out with you, enjoys hanging out with you, the sit stay doesn't mean as much because the dog's already with you. So, you know, what's, what's, what, there's not a whole lot going on. We don't, I don't start with sit and stay and down and all that stuff. I start with, let's go through this tunnel. Let's play some storm noises. Let's move the mop bucket. Let's do vacuum cleaner. Let's talk about grooming and handling and all that stuff because I can teach any dog to sit, right? Whether it's two months old or 15 years old, but once they have those experiences in life with the vacuum cleaner or, you know, that skateboard or whatever it might be, those things can just remain scary. And so having those really good experiences up front, 
help them to just be more successful in real life. So yeah, we start, you know, with, with all of those socialization aspects and handling, um, and just kind of build up from there. You know, we do obviously do a lot of the basic obedience because that's what everybody thinks they need. Um, you know, they want to have all of those basic cues under their belt, which are helpful. And then I also do work with privately clients with, I have some, um, fear aggressive clients right now. I have a couple of cat households. Um, where the cats aren't getting along. I have a household right now where it's the cat and the dog that we're introducing to each other. Um, so it's nice that I do work with both of those species because I can work with those households. And it kind of sounds like a lot like um, our clients because, you know, even though we, our dog trainer behavior is the pr primarily the customers that call us are people that have behavior issues. And, you know, those for us are the most important to work with because that quickly turns into, I can't have this animal anymore, or, you know, it's not working with my children or it's not working with the other pets in the home. So I, I just think the animal behavior, uh, and that's what Jim was alluding to, that's just the number one thing we have to address, right? I mean, it's great to have a puppy or a dog that will sit, but it's more important that the dog doesn't rush out an open door or doesn't bite or doesn't, you know, chase okay. the cat. So that's right. really neat. It's really cool because you can do, we just did one a few days ago to uh, introduce a dog to, to chickens and goats and stuff like that. And, and it was such a, it was so important that people understood that, that the first impressions. So when the dog gets there, it's family. The, the, the goose that came up to attack the dog, it's still family. You can't eat the goose, you know, <laughs> you have to pick a skate, you know, so. Kind of feisty. So it's, it's really a good thing. Behavior is really important. And it solves a lot of issues because I come from the background of, of humane societies and, and dog pounds. And you see, you see some wonderful dogs in there that their biggest crime was that they, they jump on the table or they eat something off the counter and it kills you. You know, it just kills you. And when they come in, you tell them you can fix this. We can fix this, you know. So behavior is a good thing to work on. It's great that you do that. And I think you have some background too in uh, in rescue, right? I do. I actually um, co-own Lagatara Cat Cafe. Um, so we have a rescue now. So we do cat and I've always fostered cats and kittens. And last year I had like 20 some odd kittens um, because kitten season running around all the upstairs of the house. So um, yeah, it's, and I've, I've also worked with a couple of dog rescues and I actually, I do get a lot of, um, you know, clients that have rescue pets that they don't know the background. And, you know, I often tell them like, yeah, that sucks that we don't know what this dog went through, but let's not assume worst case scenario. Let's not get caught up on, oh my gosh, what happened? What, why, what, what's going on? Were they hit? Were they abused? I don't know. And I don't care to be, exactly. I just want to work forward. How can I change their relationship with, you know, a person or another dog or the cat or the goat or, you know, whatever it is um, from here forward, because, yeah. you know, they aren't like people. I can't throw them in therapy and say, talk about your issues. Exactly. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is that pets or animals live in the now, right? I mean, they, they may have imprint memories or associations with something negative in the, their past, but they're not dwelling on the past exactly. like humans do. They're always in the now. Yeah. And so all we can do is just 
move forward. And that's, that's great information. I always tell my clients, it's great information to have, but let's move forward. Exactly. What do you want future to look like? Not, not what did the past look like? Because your dog has already done that. The dog's already moved forward. You replace yeah. the hand that's going to smack them with the cookie hand. So every time they see the hand coming towards them, instead of doing this, they go, hey, hey cookie. Yeah. And it replaces the behavior. Yeah. Very cool. It's, it's a, definitely a fun field to be in. It's, you know, constantly getting different challenges with different breeds of dogs that I'm working with and cats. And, you know, there's always those ones that you're like, okay, I'm going to need to take a second and absorb this information and figure out a plan to go forward. But, you know, a lot of it really is doing the same things and um, just educating those pet parents on why behavior happens and how behavior happens and what reinforcement is and all of that stuff for them to understand your dog's not a bad dog I promise and it is really cool though I know you've seen that too when we go out there it's like yeah okay we can train the dog that's not the issue it's training the person to understand why they do that because that's what behavior is is why is the dog doing what it's doing it's not a you know like wifey says it's not a good behavior it's a bad behavior it's either a wanted or not wanted behavior i don't care if the dog jumps on the couch unless you don't want them to jump on the couch you know right. it's okay so it's amazing how quickly the animals understand right and that's oh, yeah. why you know but uh, you know one of the things that i like to tell people is you know attention mm -hmm. is the the most valuable currency in the world right and with animals they do things because they get attention or they want attention so mm -hmm. if you're paying them for jumping at you with your attention then they'll jump because it works i get right? paid i'm gonna jump some more <laughs> but uh but yeah. so um yeah we're really excited that you are offering those services in uh, north phoenix and hopefully a lot of our viewers that are in that area um, we'll be able to take advantage. I love that you're starting puppies at such an early age and that you work with cats. What, what an amazing resource you are for us. Yeah, I'm, I try to be well-rounded. <laughs> yeah, what do you, talk about your pets. What do yeah. you have? Um, so I have, I have a zoo of um, dogs. <laughs> I have um, my golden retriever puppy who is about five months old, who um, has some ants in her pants right now and is kind of running around the room like, like a crazy girl. Um, and then we have a five-year-old blue healer, um, who, oh man, he, whew, he keeps me on my toes all the time. <laughs> um, and I have four cats. So I have a 15-year-old long hair calico, a five-year-old Cornish Rex, um, and then two one-year-old kittens, one's a uh, tuxedo and one is a brown tabby. They're actually feral kittens that I was fostering last year and um, kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm never going to find a more perfect home for you, so you can just stay. So that's the household that I deal with. <laughs> you take them to work with you? You're able to take them to work? Um, so I take the puppy to work with me a lot. Um, she, she is now 45 pounds. So it's a little bit harder to take her places than it was when she was this little, you know, munchkin. Cool. Um, but I do, I do take her with me as often as I can. So that's fun to, fun to introduce her and socialize her to different 
dogs and cats and she's met dogs cats chickens peacocks roosters bunnies all sorts of things yeah so she <laughs> a lot of socialization in her life <laughs> well wonderful well this has been a real pleasure to talk to you carrie and uh, we certainly will make sure that we share all of your links in the description below so that when people are looking for your classes and your training center they can find you yeah no this was this was great i really appreciate you guys thank you for joining us today on people with passion for pets we're jim and b walker and we share the adventure of life with our dog Apollo and Heidi. For more adventure videos, check out our YouTube channel, Modern Canine Vlog, or visit our website, www.mcs.dog. And until next time, keep your paws on the road.